I'm Derek Wayrosh, President and CEO of Palladium One Mining. Palladium One is a critical green transportation minerals company. We're in exploration and development stage with assets in Finland and in Canada. You have indeed. Uh, welcome back, Derek. Um, I just wanted to kind of pick up with you. Saw the headline, um, discovered a new uh, nickel copper sulfide zone uh, on your Tyco project. Um, tell me a little bit more, please. Yeah, so this is the second discovery on the property in uh, less than 18 months. It's on the far western edge of the property in a zone call we're calling uh, West Pickle, about 20 kilometers away from the original discovery of Smoke Lake on the eastern side of the property. The uh, Smoke Lake rocks look identical to what we announced uh, recently at uh, West Pickle, on, although uh, at West Pickle we do not have uh, assay results back yet, so they, uh, they'll they be coming out in due course, but uh, the rocks look basically the same. And we had uh, you know tremendously high grade at uh, Smoke Lake, and we're ex expecting the same at uh, at West Pickle. Right, okay, so it um, sounds like you're getting on with things. I mean, <laughs> I want to talk to companies at the moment because I'm more interested in what how they navigate these kind of choppy waters that we're in um, at the moment. So headlines like that are delightful and lovely, and it tells us that you're actually getting on with stuff. But g give me a, a, a more insight into how you're approaching things because you've got money in the bank, but what do you do? Well, the reality is, you know, from a macro perspective, we're in a pretty uh, awful cycle right now, but cycles come and they go and you have to work through it. Um, in uh, in Ontario, we have uh, ample funding for this year. We started the year with about $5 million worth of uh, flow through funding dedicated just for the Tyco project. And we're investing that in the, the project. We started drilling about two and a half, three months ago, and we'll uh, be uh, drilling for the balance of the year. And really that money came about as a result of flow through uh, funding that we did in uh, late 2021. And uh, legally the requirement is that we invest the money over the course of this year. So we'll be doing that. But, um, you know, more holistically from a company perspective, you have to be cautious at these times of uh, the cycle and uh, you ha still need to move projects forward. And we're very happy that we can do that with the, the money we have and the activities we're doing at, uh, at Tyco. But we're uh, husbanding to some degree the, the other funding that we have, what we refer to as the hard dollars in order to uh, work our way through this cycle. And, and we're spending the money. Uh, on you know what we believe are very uh, creative uh, activities, maybe uh, they're not as expensive as drilling, but highly creative, such as permitting activities and just technical assessments of delivering a project. Right. Okay. Okay. Cycles, like you say, they they do tend to move in cycles, so we, we it will come out the other side. I think that's important for investors to uh, remember. But uh, if I may, just dig a little bit deeper. You've got flow through money, so you have to spend that money in the ground within a certain time frame. But if it wasn't flow through, if it was hard dollars that you were looking at, would you be spending it in a market like this? It's a balanced approach. You, at the end of the day, you have to make a judgment call as to how much of a runway you need and how long this cycle is going to, to last because you don't want to find yourselves in a position where you're getting on vapors with regards to cash and you're going to be you know, in very weak position from, uh, and perhaps not even able to, uh, to raise capital, uh, to build up the treasury again, depending on what the market conditions are at the time. So we're taking a, a go slow approach. You're right. We do need to spend the money this year or invest the money this year as far as flow through is concerned 
for Tyco, and it's it's a large program that we have going on. I think we would probably continue to invest, um, whether or not it was flow through, and whether or not we had that obligation, given the discovery success we've had. You know, it's quite unusual to get these spectacularly high grades of nickel, especially at surface, and um, you know, in a, in a great jurisdiction. And we've had lots of evidence that there's ample uh, opportunity on the particular property. So I think we would have uh, continued to uh, to invest in Tyco heavily. Perhaps not the you know the full five million that we're spending this year, but we would have definitely continued to uh, to move the project forward. Right, and, and what? what it, okay, I think we're both old enough to have been through. Two, I was going to say one or two, it's probably like two or three of these uh, cycles before, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to sort of get sort of parallels to um, from the past because history does repeat quite often. Um, as the companies that don't do anything, kind of sit in their hands, as it were, those companies are, are they're starting from. They've got to get that balance between uh, making sure that they've got enough capital to kind of seek, get through to the other side. But they've also got, they're also making making the bet that if we do nothing with the project, it'll be fine. We'll just start up when the market's just you know a little bit in a, in a little bit of a better mood and a little bit more money available. But what would you what would you say is the is the is the better tack given looking back in your experience? Well, it's probably situational dependent, you know, depending on where each company is. You know, if you if you sit back and you, you know, lay people off and do nothing and just hoard cash, you're not really going to have any infrastructure when you come out the other side of it. You're not going to have news flow to support the company and perhaps do that next raise that you need. So doing nothing i don't think is an option you need to press forward keep your infrastructure keep your people in place and the and the institutional knowledge if you will and constantly add value and have something to talk about and be relevant for the market if you if you step away completely i think starting is is extremely difficult but you can't run out of cash either no, no, I, I know. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act for for sure. Um, you mentioned you just come back from, we at both conferences. We at Beaver Creek. No, I just did Beaver Creek. You just did Beaver Creek. Okay, Beaver okay, Colorado. okay. And how was that? Who was that? It was extremely well uh, attended. It was uh, surprisingly busy, and uh, I think it, it was a very active conference. We had a tremendous amount of uh, meetings. I was actually. Uh, very pleasantly surprised, uh, much more than we've had even in uh, in prior years pre-COVID. So, uh, so that was very good, and um, it, you know, it, it generally a, a good attitude. I think most people uh, appreciate where we are in the cycle and uh, are hunkering down, uh, trying to understand how to optimize their portfolio, which stories they uh, they want to get behind, and and uh, generally it was a, a very positive uh, conference. It's, it's, it's interesting. Where it was, were there a lot of industry players? And by industry, I'm talking about obviously you've got copper, you've got nickel, you've got PGEs, um, you've got, you've got a lot going on that, um, you know, points towards this kind of green future, which we're all demanding. Um, with a lot of industry partners there in terms of battery manufacturers and automotive manufacturers, or was it just the usual suspects? It was mainly the usual suspects. I think those types of uh, conversations are happening outside of the formal conferences. They, you know, you don't need uh, the big automotive companies going to a mining conference. If you've got an asset, you can uh, give them a call. I know, but yeah. I do. But I tell you, some of the conversations we're having recently is where you know 
you're seeing the OEMs and the battery manufacturers sort of moving upstream, as it were. They're looking to secure supply, and they're having conversations they never imagined they would three years ago. That's that, that's for sure. But the but the other um, type of conversation that I, I've um, I've been party to is where you've got um, groups um, looking, say, to to supply um, to secure supply, and they're not able to get the um, binding contracts that they'd hoped because there's a lot of conversations um, by companies talking a good game but not necessarily being able to prove or give them comfort that they're actually going to be able to get into production um, and which is you know which is then having sort of knock-on effect further downstream um, as well in terms of the certainty that that it kind of gives everyone else in the supply chain further downstream going on so I just I just wondered if you know how um, intense uh, conversations we're getting around um, actual production levels versus just mining talk about the theory. Yeah, I, I think this is where reality meets the uh, the rhetoric. Uh, the, practically, when you've got the OEMs, they're looking for certainty that you can supply if you're going to have those conversations. So they're going to be looking for much more advanced projects and probably ones that are actually in production or in development as opposed to ones that are still in the exploration development stage and might have you know quite a long um, runway and until they get into production and a lot of risks and challenges that they have to deal with along the way so yeah i think those conversations are the ones that i've uh, you know seen and been aware of are uh, with larger organizations that have advanced projects and uh, yes, you can engage with the uh, the OEMs on, on a particular project, and they may help you out by you know talking about an MOU or something along those lines. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's still a little bit early uh, for an exploration development stage company, unless it's a spectacular um, asset. And I don't think we've really seen that at, at this point in time, where they've actually stepped in and said, "Hey, we're going to uh, support such and such project." Yeah, no, it's it, no, it's just I just thought it's sort of an interesting types of conversations. You use a great word, the reality of the situation, which um, is I think sort of dawning very very quickly in industry that we've seen it in um, in all commodities. We've seen it in, in uranium. We've seen it in you know copper, nickel, uh, um, etc. Where where there are massive supply chains reliant on the step before doing their job or being able to access. Whatever it is that they need to be able to get, you know, move further downstream. There's a lot of nervousness around supply demand deficit, it seems, in the marketplace. And I just, I'm sort of look, looking for those sort of signals as to, um, you know, what companies are doing in terms of changing the way that they, um, they work and operate to make sure that it's signaling to, you know, industry that. It, they, they do have the quality. You know, you, you're, you're looking at a sort of high-grade project. I imagine that's very, very exciting. But ultimately, you could also deliver scale and the economics for yourselves um, uh, as well. But do, do you change the? Do these sorts of conversations change the way that you try and run your business, or do you just need to be sort of cognizant that at some point down the line, people are going to look for a bit more certainty from you? Yeah, you know, the, the reason for excitement is right now because the OEMs need the supply. But is the analogy not M&A, right? That's another reason that any one particular company or project could, could be exciting because we're so wonderful, we're going to get, we're going to get taken out. But under both scenarios, the company still needs to do all the de-risking. 
advance the projects, deal with permitting, deal with economics, as you say, deal with financing, construction, et cetera, et cetera. So whether it's M&A or with the OEMs, there's going to be trigger points and, and levels of advancement that need to be achieved for any one of the counterparties before they're going to act. And I think the job of the corporates is to just go through that checkbox of de-risking and advancing the project and communicating where they are, staying relevant in, 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 in the face of potential counterparties in order to, uh, to take advantage of the situation. Where what I'm seeing is certainly in North America is that the governments are stepping in to try and assist the development of supply chain and provide certainty of supply for the uh, the battery plants, as an example, that are being constructed in the states. And we saw an announcement um, several weeks ago where uh, Volkswagen in Canada got together to pr provide some degree of, of supply certainty for a new facility in the, in the United States. So it's happening at, at a at a senior level, but with larger um, corporates and larger projects, and they're looking at different tax schemes and, 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 and tariffs in order to be able to make it easier to provide the supply security uh, to the plants, but they haven't really uh, pushed it down at the uh, the mining company level or the project level from what I've seen. Uh, but I think that is coming and I think it'll come quick, but they're really looking more at the upstream um, uh, systems uh, first. Right. Well, again, I think it's it maybe difficult markets, but it's exciting times because you've got a whole bunch of, well, hundreds of billions of dollars being pumped into an infrastructure which um, needs feeding. So um, I guess watch this space. With regards to, if I may come back to the flow through money, specifically, um, you talked about obviously West, West Pickle and obviously what you proved you don't smoke like What will the, what will the money be going on? Because you talked about a second drill coming into play. So are you focusing just on West Pickle for now or were there other targets? No. Now, we applied for uh, six permits. We've received four uh, permits, and they're for different zones on the property, uh, largely where we had multi-line um, VTEM anomalies or electromagnetic anomalies that we subsequently ground truthed with uh, uh, soil sampling and the anomalous values of copper, nickel, cobalt. So there's a number of different zones we will be uh, testing initially on the first rounds, certainly with what we've seen at uh, West Pickle and the fact that it's only about three kilometers away from a zone called uh, RJ, which has a you know very good uh, historical intercept from uh, 2016 of approximately uh, 16 meters of over one percent nickel and quite quite shallow as well. So there's something going on, and, and what we believe is happening is that we've got a whole host uh, or swarming, if you will, of uh, dikes or conoliths that fed the uh, the bulldozer mafic ultra mafic uh, uh, intrusion at the north end of the property. And what we're doing is is we can see a bit of a correlation between those interpreted dikes and where the uh, the showings are that we have at this point in time. So we will will be. Uh, attempting to connect the dots and uh, when we brought in the helicopter uh, rig uh, about a month or so ago that was really to uh, to test some of those uh, zones that were a little bit harder to access at this time of year right okay okay interesting and um and i know we touched on it last time and i think i know the answer but um with regards to finland um is what's happening there i think we did have a question sent in with regards to an update on the ongoing scoping study um 
Yeah, so we've largely uh, done the bulk of the the baseline permitting work. We still have to do the hydrological model and, and put in the uh, the groundwater monitoring well. So we've deferred that given the market conditions. Uh, but that's something that we can do fairly quickly. The scoping study is uh, is underway. And again, you know, there, our focus here, we were initially looking at doing a, uh, you know, full-blown PEA and, and costing it all out and getting it out into the market. But given all the inflation, the uncertainty, it really doesn't make sense to uh, to go and, and spend that money at this point in time. So the focus is really on the, the technical aspects of it. So as an example, where would you put the waste dumps? Where would you put your processing plant? You know, what are the the water management issues we might have to deal with? Uh, do we need to consider dry tack, uh, stack tailings, uh, for example? So going through those uh, evaluations and you know there'll be an internal costing estimate uh, that we'll be looking at as well to help inform uh, uh, future decisions but that's really the focus of it and we would anticipate that work to um, to be concluded uh, in the fourth quarter okay so steady as she goes yeah okay and that, and that, that 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 is the safe safe conservative and probably optimum solution as far as you're concerned for your company, yeah? Well, well, yeah, look, it's, uh, it, if you can save time on permitting, permitting can really slow down a project. So for, you just do your NPV calculation or, you know, why spend money now drilling out more of the same if I still have many, many years of permitting to do? So we can advance the, the permitting aspects and hopefully improve our, our nav. And in the meantime, we've got a tremendous amount of news flow coming up from uh, from Tyco and our discovery there. And, and hopefully we have uh, more discovery success and we'll have lots of catalysts and anticipate drilling right through the end of the year. Okay, Derek, well, I appreciate you making the time. Um, despite your delicate state, have you, have you picked up a cold or are we going full-blown COVID from the conference? Oh, no, this is uh, very positively uh, COVID. <laughs> Jesus. And what's it, what's it done for you? I mean, has it, has it floored you? Oh, pretty much, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah the, the mind is not quite where it should be, and uh, the, the temperature is rising with this little uh, fleece on. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, poor, poor you. But uh, you've got, you, oh, well. you got to do these conferences, and I, I'm afraid for you, conference season is just starting, isn't it? So you, you've got, it is. You've got it one is. or two lined up. Um, and and, and, do you, and do you ex is your expectation to just be talking to shareholders and making them feel a little bit better uh, about, about things, or is it looking at new money or is there sort of general interest in any anyone who's got a copper, nickel, PGE project, you're going to get those knocks on the door for the next couple of years? I mean, what are the sort of conversations you're having? It's all of the above. We're um, engaging with uh, new potential institutional shareholders. We're um, looking at uh, and, and talking to some of our existing uh, shareholder bases. You know, a large part of our... Uh, uh, our, our outstanding shares is held by institutions. And, you know, my best guess is 50 to 55%. Unfortunately, you can't have the same visibility in Canada as you can on the ASX. So, you know, it's a huge amount of, of, uh, of stock. And uh, there's a number of uh, people there that we need to keep current in terms of our activities. So we're touching base with those folks. 
And what we're seeing in Canada is that the flow through funds are getting cash again. So they're knocking on the door and want to have conversations with companies that are active and, uh, you know, getting news flow out there and, and potentially uh, doing some financings. But we're, we're, in, you know, the enviable position that we have a lot of cash on the balance sheet and we have some optionality. So we do not need to, uh, to finance. I think, uh, you know, we would want to be opportunistic if, uh, if we, uh, if we do. But uh, we've got a long runway, so we're, we're in pretty good shape.